I'm back. Welcome. Welcome back to season two of Aviatrix Airwaves. Now, if you are a frequent flyer and you've been waiting around for season two, hello. Thank you for waiting. I promise it has all been worth the wait. And if you're new here, then welcome. You can go back to the first season, learn a little bit about me. We talked a lot about flight training and getting into the aviation industry in the first season but season two is going to have a very big shift we have partnered with one of the biggest businesses in travel now if you haven't already seen the social media or you haven't already guessed we've partnered with flight center to I really wanted to make sure I'm giving you guys the most out of each episode and this idea kind of came to my mind there is flight center is in no way paying to be on these episodes they're not sponsoring the podcast I reached out to them and said hey do you guys mind if we collaborated did a bit of a flight center times aviatrix airwave series and they have agreed to the first five episodes of this season which is super super exciting and what that's kind of going to be that's definitely all just going to be based around travel so starting off from if you're a very very beginner never traveled before to taking you all the way through to planning say a big overseas holiday now if you are a frequent flyer not only of the podcast but quite literally a frequent flyer and you've done a heap of travel before I still recommend listening along because I think these ladies are definitely going to have some tips and tricks and also some good travel stories of their own that you guys are going to enjoy now that's not only the only thing that is changing in this podcast and I'm sorry if you don't like change I'm someone who doesn't like change I'm sorry because there has been a massive shift but I promise it's all for good so there is going to be a new structure to the podcast so we're going to start off with the intro just me chatting like you're listening to right now we're then going to go into the aviatrix updates so that's all things news about aviatrix you know about our community what we've been up to but it's also going to be news for you know again, travel, the airlines, what's kind of happening within the aviation and travel industry. So again, lots of good little news updates. These are, it's not going to take too much of the episode. It'll probably be a short little 10 minutes. So if you want to then skip straight into the topic of the episode, that'll be the middle segment of the podcast. So today we are talking all about planning the holiday and we've got Teresa in the studio. She has over 22 years of experience. She's visited 48 countries. So I'm so glad we've got her in the studio. I feel like I can really just pick her brains. And again, she's got some really good stories of herself. So that's how the podcast will run. It'll be the intro our aviatrix update slash news segment, the topic of the episode. And then at the end, we have a new segment, which I think Robbie and I are most excited for, which is travel chat. And we want you guys to call up and give us your best stories, those crazy, crazy stories about, you know, your holidays, even just those things that it's like, how did that even happen? And we've got Teresa in today helping us with the first travel chat. But call the hotline. We've got a hotline now. It'll be linked in the show description. Or you can just email us info at aviatrix.com.au. And some of our favourite stories are also going to be sent some sneaky little merch. So that is the new podcast structure for season two. I really, really hope you enjoy these episodes with Flight Centre and can take as much from it. Now, and just another little disclaimer, if, you know, travel isn't 
your biggest goal at the moment? I understand it's really, really trending right now. You know, everyone kind of feels like they've got to be away living their best life and travelling overseas and going to Europe and living van life in Australia. If that's not you, that is totally fine. I'm here to say that it's okay if you're there grinding away, you know, you've got your career set up or you're looking to set up a new career and holidaying just isn't something that, you know, you can really, that isn't realistic at the moment. That is totally fine. I think social media these days really makes us feel like we've kind of always got to be on holidays and that's the only way we're living our best life. So if that's not you, that is totally okay. If you still want to listen along and get some tips for in the future for when you do want to, again, this is for everyone and there's also some great stories along the way. So we're going to get into our aviatrix updates and continue the potty. Our aviatrix updates. I feel like, Rob, do you reckon... Do you reckon I should read out the Aviatrix updates of each episode? What is that rattling around? Rattle, tattle, tattle. Every time we start recording, just a bit of rattle. Do you reckon I should read out the Aviatrix updates in a news reporter voice? Or do you reckon that would really annoy people? That would f*** me right off. So if I did... G'day everyone, welcome to Aviatrix updates. Today we find that over 58% of the RFDS Queensland workforce are women. That would really annoy you? Really annoy me. You reckon I can't keep it going? Have a go and then see what people think. (laughs) Okay, no, but in all all seriousness, um, yes, that is one of our Aviatrix updates this week. I did find that over 58% of the RFDS Queensland workforce are women, which is really, really cool. It's an excellent example of gender device gender diverse organization um led by ceo meredith staben if she wants to be on the podcast meredith we'd love to have you around but we do um a lot of work with the rfds and again these updates are no way sponsored or paid ads they are purely just updates that i think you guys would find interesting that i also find interesting so there you go that's one i picked up from their newsletter recently and continuing on that our other little update of the day which kind of links onto the back of this is we have another team again this year in the oceans to outback challenge which is a fundraiser for the royal flying doctor service and we have already raised big round of applause to our team we have raised over one third of our fundraising goal already and the challenge doesn't start until october i think we've only had this fundraiser up for a week now I want to say oh by the time you listen to this podcast it'll probably be two weeks so that is incredible if you're wanting to help make a difference and you know get your hot girl steps up along the way you can join our oceans to outback challenge or if you want to just donate I'll keep the link in the show notes like I do with everything we've got some really cool like team merch coming and some little events so definitely jump onto that but I thought I'd keep our updates nice and short and sweet for the very first episode so you can get into listening and learning how to plan your very first or your next overseas holiday. Ladies and gentlemen welcome aboard Aviatrix Airwaves. Please do not turn off your electrical equipment, which you are listening to this podcast on, and instead just sit back, relax, and enjoy as we are about to take off into this episode. Teresa, thank you so much for joining us on not only the very first episode of season two, but the very first episode of our Flight Centre Times Aviatrix Airwaves series. It feels 
so good to finally be here. We've been doing lots of planning and, you know, chatting in the background and it just, it feels so surreal to actually be here recording today. No, thanks for having me. Oh, of course. So, tell me, before we get into it, a business like Flight Centre, so a booking agency, oh, we've got right under the flight path today, how iconic is that? How can you guys actually help us in planning and booking an overseas holiday? So, I mean, I'm a dual citizen myself, but I haven't really done much, I mean, as I am a pilot, but not really any holidaying, you know, overseas myself. So, how much can you guys actually do? Well, the whole thing with a travel agent is that we can take care of everything. Mm -hmm. So, we can book your flights, your accommodation, book your insurance, like take care of everything from from get-go. Wonderful. So everything. So if I've got no idea what I want to do, where I want to go, I just walk into someone like yourself at Flight Centre and you guys can do it all for me. Definitely. And I think that's the perception that they think we only do flights. Yeah, because that was kind of in my head. It was like it was very much just, oh, you guys can sort out my flights, but it's everything. Yeah, we can book a lot. Wonderful. um, But yeah, and it's not just the flights that people need for holidays. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot to go into it. And we're going to go into a bit of the planning process today. So I'm going to kind of set the scene, make a bit of a scenario for our planning episode. And let's say you're wanting to go on a holiday, but you've never been overseas before. So someone like myself who's never booked an overseas holiday before, or even if you're just going far away from home, you know, you live in Queensland, you're wanting to go to WA, something like that, that's, you know, a bit of a bigger holiday than just your classic road trip to your, you know, around your region. So what's the very first thing that you should consider? Well, starting holiday, depending, it all starts with what time of the year you're planning to go mm-hmm. <coughs> and then also realising what type of holiday you're after. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people think, obviously, with different seasons in the Northern Hemisphere, they're opposite to us. Yes. So, if someone wants a winter holiday, but they're actually planning to go in summer, mm-hmm. it sort of defeats the purpose of why they're going. Yes. Um, that's one start of it. Mm-hmm. I suppose the next part we always look at is what is your budget mm-hmm. and how your budget matches with your duration. Mm-hmm. Which we're going to go into in episode two, which yep. is wonderful. That'll back up really nicely. Yeah. So, that's most of the part of you know, and wondering whether they're an adventurous, what they want an adventurous holiday or they mm-hmm. want a laid-back beachy holiday. Yes, um, that's very true because some people could book a holiday and then they end up realising they've got to hike all these mountains and walk everywhere And whereas some people just want something easy, you know, booked in, they can Uber everywhere and it's all planned out for them. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, a lot of people do want the relaxing holiday, especially mm-hmm. if they've been working hard. They mm-hmm. just want to just sit by the beach and have cocktails, you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> and other people find that quite a boring holiday where mm-hmm. they want to venture every day and hike or, you know, mm-hmm. explore the places they're visiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I suppose time frame would come into a big role in that as well. So, you know, what would be kind of a rough guide for a good time frame for, let's, let's go with an overseas holiday, so to a new country that you've never been before. So... Yeah, kind of what are you looking at? How much leave do you need to take? Everyone's bosses are going to be hating me after this series because (laughs) everyone's going to be putting in leave forms to go on holidays after this. We're treating the travel bug. But yeah, what's a good time frame? See, like I think for destinations, say for example, like the Pacific Mm -hmm. or Asia, two Mm -hmm. weeks is a nice trip. Two weeks, okay. Because when you book the flights, the first day travelling, that's your day gone Mm -hmm. and you're not having to travel as far. Yeah. So... That's a nice duration of a holiday. Mm-hmm. But somewhere further, like with, you know, like Europe or Canada, 
you know, even America, sometimes you actually need longer, mm-hmm. depending how many places you want to explore, because it takes 24 hours to get to those places. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've already lost a day or two days by the time you get over jet lag. Mm-hmm. So doing it in a two-week period is really rushing it. But okay. People do do it. Yep. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I Certainly a week would be way too quick, but you're losing, oh, yep, two days. Mm-hmm. Just to travel all that distance for the week, mm-hmm. and then the cost being obviously more with the flights, it would... Yeah, personally, I like to go for a month um, <laughs> if you're going to have a good holiday, especially long-haul flights like to yep. Europe or America or Canada um, mm-hmm. or even Africa, um, purely for the fact that you've got that duration once you're on the ground to actually explore and see what you want to see. Mm-hmm. What would be, I guess, for those people who don't have as big of a time frame, what are some good locations for just that week away holiday? Week away, easily places like South Pacific mm-hmm. um, because you can get there easily and accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other places would be, even people go to Japan for a week. Yeah. Because they're okay. not that far from us. Mm-hmm. People go to Bali. Yes, Bali is was a hot topic at the start of the year. That's yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. You still could go to somewhere like Thailand for a week, but mm-hmm. you're just not giving it justice. Yeah. Because you really okay. haven't. You've just got there, and then you've really mm-hmm. only got five days on yeah. the ground in the sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, even Norfolk Island. Mm-hmm. I mean, within Australia. Because a week's a nice place to visit, do you yeah, know, and even yeah. if you went to Darwin or somewhere like that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, Australia, so much of it to explore and learn from our country, which is just incredible. Yeah, no. wonderful. So if we're going on the topic of planning it and the time frame that we have, we know that Europe summer is trending very heavily right now. I'm sure you guys see it at Flight Centre and I'm sure as well your marketing team could definitely agree that it is all over socials it's kind of it's a bit funny because it's almost like Europe summer is like I I saw someone put it in these words the other day which I found really really good it's like almost a festival kind of thing like you get a ticket to Europe summer it's like no I'm going to Europe summer as if it's you know it's an event now like Europe Europe summer is the event and you know it's trending really heavy so we might play on that and I'm actually expecting that Japan winter is also going to be really big this year. Are you guys kind of finding that? People, It's funny that you said that because yeah. um, Europe is going crazy, uh-huh. especially Italy. I feel yes. like something must have happened during COVID that everyone just wanted to go explore Italy mm-hmm. and Japan for winter. Yes. Uh, I mean, Japan winter is big every year, but I just have this feeling that this year it's just – it's really going to skyrocket, I feel. This year's – it's so busy. Yeah. Um, I've been in travel agent for 23 years mm-hmm. and Japan, I've never booked so much Japan. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. And people are going for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So just winter, that week. Yep. Or mm-hmm. doing 10 days. Mm-hmm. And because it is so close to get to mm-hmm. um, and, you, you know, and especially getting out of our heat mm-hmm. at that time yeah. of the year. Yes, It's definitely. a beautiful you know, mm-hmm. winter wonderland sort of getaway. Wonderful. So because these are trending, let's use both of those places as an example. So we'll go Europe and Japan. And if we're talking on the time frame, how this is definitely just your um, opinion and or how you've seen other, you know, or your customers, you know, book and plan the trip. Yep. So what is a good example of how people plan it out? So the day is the time frame. What do they do each day? Yeah. How do they how do they get the most out of their holiday? So I suppose there's a few different ways you could travel. Um, mm-hmm. Some people like the organised tour, so mm-hmm. they don't have to worry about it and think while they're mm-hmm. on holidays. Um, others like to be independent and they've done their research and they've figured out where they want to stop and stay. Mm-hmm. And say, for example, like Japan, it can be quite easily to organise okay. um, to do it if you 
planned it properly and mm-hmm. you research where you want to stay and do, um, which I have done in the past with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew what cities I wanted to visit mm-hmm. and the time frame I had. But yep. then again, I still went for two weeks okay. to see the most of Japan as well I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, some people only want to go for a week, so if they just wanted to go skiing, um, then they would probably just do a ski package so mm-hmm. that everything's included um, when they got there, the transfers and so forth. So it's very streamlined, mm-hmm. um, which I find... those ones definitely I suppose it's more a relaxing holiday because I don't have to worry about anything Mm -hmm. they don't need to worry about getting themselves on the train and backwards Mm -hmm. and forwards and having to work out where which stop it is Mm -hmm. um which obviously when I did do it independently we did get lost so (laughs) I suppose that's part of traveling and the mishaps that happen is that a story you want to tell me oh no it was just one of those funny (laughs) things when when we got on the train and realized we were sitting in the wrong persons because when people came to sit in our seats I was like we're definitely on the wrong train so Um, the trains you book Oh, because these are long distance yes. trains. Yeah, so yes. you get okay. a seat number. I was thinking just between the city and I was like, you have a seat number for that? Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> in Japan they have seat numbers. Right. Allocated, carriage, so forth. And so okay. when we got on this train, I felt something wasn't right. <laughs> and then as we got to the next stop and then someone came to sit in our seats, I realised we must be on the wrong train. <laughs> so luckily we got off and funny enough, our train that we were meant to be on was directly across from us on the other oh my goodness. station so the guide I mean not the guide the train conductor literally said that's your train and I'm like okay so we didn't miss it completely oh, so that's it was good. perfect okay. timing wonderful yeah mm-hmm. and then obviously got on that train where our seats were vacant for us to join on so mm-hmm. good okay well if you've been there then can you tell me how you split your holiday up I like my thing is a lot of people want to see everything very quickly. Okay, yes. And most people will say two nights here, three nights. Mm-hmm. I feel like two nights in any place, the first day you got there, you've just mm-hmm. settled in. You haven't seen anything. So then you've only got one extra night mm-hmm. or day to explore the city. I personally like at least three night minimum at each place just to get a feel. And some cities you do actually need longer to really get the true cultural experience of it all you know and that's one thing I love about traveling is just seeing how other people live and how they do things yep yep very good thank you for that so moving on then whilst we're on the topic of Europe somewhere we're not gonna go off that you mentioned the other day when we were having a little chat behind the scenes about peak season and shoulder season can you go a bit more into that because I am very new to that whole phrase yep so literally Airlines work on seasons um, and airfares and also tour operators because obviously they realise there is timeframes where everyone wants to travel and those moments are, for example, school holidays, mm-hmm. Christmas, Easter. And so they realise the majority of population have time off at those times. So obviously things are more expensive, which is why it's called a high season. Um, and the only way to get... To make that more economical for everyone is to actually try and book it as far ahead as you can. Okay. Um, especially more so now, where years ago you could book it three months out mm. and it'd be okay. Times have changed. Times have definitely changed. With everyone travelling, we're booking six months, ten months out now mm. just to get people the best deal they can possibly get because of the availability, um, because so many people are travelling. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have, I suppose, they're your peak seasons. Um, so unfortunately for school teachers... They always pay peak season prices, unfortunately, because that's when their they holiday, can travel. When they yep. can travel, so and then you have shoulder seasons, which are in between. Um, 
between a low and a high season. So low seasons are when the weather usually sometimes is not the greatest. Um, so low seasons like February because no one has really holidays in February because mm-hmm. everyone's got December, January mm-hmm. off. Um, so February's like a low season. November's also a low season because it's before peak season. Mm-hmm. Um, so and especially for example, like heading to Europe in November when their peak summer is usually between June and August, um, is also a low season for that sort of destination. Mm-hmm. What are the pros and cons of travelling in both of them? You touched on a couple. Yeah, well, the one thing, it's not so bad travelling in low season, okay. I find, because you have less tourists. Yes. Things are a lot cheaper. Your accommodation's cheaper. Um, for example, like I went to Turkey in winter and it was magical. Like it was snowing in Cappadocia. And most people go there in summer when they do the hot air ballooning, um, which was such a different feel of being there in winter. And so it's more of a local feel. You don't see as many tourists. I feel like I would love that a lot, yeah. Yeah, so I don't mind it in that sense. And obviously you're saving a lot more money travelling in low season. (laughs) Yes. Um, It just depends, you know, but if people want the sun or the summer, then obviously in Europe, then you will be going in peak season, unfortunately. Unless you go, you could even book like May, is the shoulder season um, before it becomes peak um, sometimes it's a lot reasonable yeah and is there anything else if we are looking on planning a holiday you're a first time traveler is there anything else you want to add that is really crucial to think about when planning the holiday before we finish it up I think people really need to have a realistic budget okay because we have a lot of people that may have limited funds but they want to do everything And it's just not affordable, Mm -hmm. Um, which sometimes it's heartbreaking when you tell someone where they want to go and then they tell you their budget and then you have to be the person that says that's just not going to work. You know, and I suppose it's being realistic. And unfortunately, if, you know, travel is more expensive nowadays than it has been in the past because the demand's so much greater. Mm -hmm. So, and my other tip, I suppose, when it comes to travelling is just making sure you've got something reserved in case something does happen. Yes, Um, yes. And as the saying goes, you must always travel with travel insurance um, overseas. If, As we say, if you can't afford travel insurance, you really can't afford to travel. Yeah, like I think it's really good that we're going to be backing up onto episode two, which will be live next week, which will be all about budgeting. So I think that's really good that we've broken that down and we'll be talking about that even more. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, you've done a lot of travel yourself. So I want to finish off before we close this segment how many countries have you been to? All I've, up, exactly. I've done forty-eight countries. Forty-eight countries. So you, you are the queen of travel. I would say it's definitely in this room amongst us. What's been your favourite location? Oh, it's a hard one. I keep thinking what my favourite one is, and I'm sort of torn. Like Morocco is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just the diversity of just how different um, that country can be. Like with the Atlas Mountains to their coastal and just the food. Um, plus it did work well for me because I looked Moroccan so that made it quite easy to travel through that country. Um, Another one of my favourites is definitely Brazil. Um, Again, it's the culture, it's the people. Um, So it's hard to choose one and then also loved Cambodia for the people. They were just the most youngest population of people after what's happened to them and they're just so friendly. Um, and such a beautiful countryside to see. Was this all solo travel or was this in groups with family? I've done Morocco independently when I was younger, um, backpacking. And um, Cambodia I did as a tour. 
Um, and that was great. That was a good fun with a bunch of other people that I just met um, on tour. And then with Brazil, I also did that on some tour in South America. What are some top locations that you see people booking really regularly for solo travel? Um, definitely Asia. Very popular with the solo yeah, travellers? with the solo travellers. Because mm-hmm. at least they, most Asian countries can speak English, which makes it pretty easy mm-hmm. for solo travellers. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us on the very first episode. We're going to finish this segment off here. We're going to go into our travel chat and then join us for episode two. We've got Flight Centre on for the first five episodes of season two Aviatrix Airwaves. So stick around, guys. Teresa and her work colleague, Samantha, as well, are going to be joining us. So thank you again. And I hope everyone learned something and we can help you guys treat that travel bug. Teresa, because you have done so much travel and I'm very jealous, we're going to use you for the first travel chat segment because I'm sure you've got lots of stories to share and probably some lessons that you've learnt along the way. So can you pick maybe one story and then a couple lessons that you've learnt from all of your travel? I suppose a lot of these ones that I should have learnt better was probably when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I've definitely got okay. better as I've got older and more mature yep. um, and less reckless, I suppose, because <laughs> um, every you know young 20-year-old thinks you're invincible, as you are at the time. Um, my biggest travel tip, I suppose, definitely travelling younger, is just to make sure that you do have enough money. Mm-hmm. Um, I seem to think at the time when I was younger that travelling with lease... <laughs> would be fine because I'd get a job and it all work out. Um, and then I did get stuck in Morocco travelling oh. there, um, which was quite an interesting factor. But, um, and then I went to get a job thinking, oh, you know, it can't be that bad. I could work here. Mm-hmm. And then when I realised how much money I was actually going to get paid was peanuts right. and that I probably would be stuck in Morocco, still trying to get out of Morocco. So... My biggest tip for young people is to definitely make sure you have enough funds if you're planning to do a working holiday Um, because it's not all about work, obviously, when you've got your working visa. Um, The other thing I think of as well is that most of Europe travel on the opposite side of the roads. Um, We're so used to looking left, right. Um, Many a times I have nearly got run over (laughs) because you're looking the wrong way and it just comes instinct. Um, and not also realising that the streets are so narrow, um, especially in London, for example. I was in a taxi, didn't think anything of it. I was on the roadside thinking I could just get out that side and um, get out of the car, um, not thinking that it was so close to the cars that a double-decker bus went past and completely sideswiped the door and not realising at the time, thinking, oh, my gosh, is my arm gone? Oh, my god! And goodness. waiting for it to just going, oh, my gosh, maybe it's delayed. And thinking... Make what, that your arm's fallen off, that that's delayed Exactly, reaction. because the door had just completely taken off the taxi. And then me realising, wow, it was just, you know, 20 centimetres away from the car door, which I wouldn't have been able to get out of. And then realised from then on, I was always going to get out on the passenger side. (laughs) Like, there was no way I was ever going to go out on the roadside on any car trip while I was travelling in Europe. Because I just didn't think, you know, in Australia, our roads are so wide. You can always get out on the footpath side and the roadside, not thinking it was that tight. I suppose that's another tip as well, that maybe don't rely on hiring a car. 
Is that something you find? People don't necessarily hire cars as much overseas in, in Europe or London, especially? Well, people want to, and, you know, and I give them credit for trying. Um, for trying. Exactly. And, you know, and I suppose some people are very confident drivers. I'm probably not one of them. Um, but my always tip is to hire the car outside or the outskirts of a city. There's no way you could hire a car in London and think you could get out of that traffic or have an idea of where you're going. There wouldn't be much point as well, would there? No, well, not if really. Because the main city, because their public transport's so easy. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I was a tour guide in Europe, for example, the drivers, especially even travelling in the south of France into Italy, um, there is like over a hundred tunnels, and in Australia, if you miss the turn, you can always go. Oh, I'll just take a U-turn and go back. Um, there, we couldn't. We literally had to keep going because he missed the turn, and. We had to go a whole hour and a half one way because we couldn't wow. take a U-turn <laughs> because of these there tunnels. Was, there was nothing. Nothing. And we had to go all the way through and then come back. Um, and so, yeah, so Europe, travelling around Europe is just a lot different than Australia because they don't have all of a sudden you can just go, oh, I missed it, I'll turn around. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of j- the way their roads are, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Those are really good tips, things I probably wouldn't think of as well. And what about age? Age demographic. You spoke about travelling in your 20s. Yeah. I suppose when you're older, now that I am older, I look back and thinking, my idea of travelling is definitely more organised. And I suppose my family expect me to be the travel agent, the tour guide, um, the whole lot. So sometimes it's not a holiday. So now I do like it going on a tour where it's all taken out of my hands Mm -hmm. and I can sit back, relax and enjoy it. Um, That's one thing I suppose in an older geographic that you realise that you can afford and it's just a lot more comfortable. And you want those creature comforts as compared to staying in the hostels, you know, with six others, strangers, and having one bathroom when you're younger. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, good that you're still in one piece after the London experience. Thank you for sharing your travel chat and your little tips along the way. And we'll see you in the next episode. Right. Thanks, hey. Thanks.